and welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our last study, we reviewed Romans 13, 1-7 regarding civil government because it is referenced in Article 1 of the Confessions verifying that civil government is ordained by God. Now we will consider the verses supplied from 1 Peter. Though the London Baptist Confession does not reference any verses from 1 Peter in Article 1, it does list verse 17 in Article 3. The Westminster and the 1862 Presbyterian USA Confessions give 1 Peter 2, 13-14, while the Cumberland Presbyterian Confession lists 1 Peter 2, 13-17. Therefore, we will now look at these verses regarding the Christian's duty to civil government. They are as follows. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to kings as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. These verses, along with following verses through verse 7 of chapter 3, refer to the subject of submission to authority in every area of life. I believe they are connected to verse 12 through 19 regarding suffering even at the hand of civil government. Obviously, there are other related passages within this epistle concerning these subjects, but we will limit our discussion to the passages referenced in the Confessions. Before doing so, allow me to remind you that Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than men, must never be forgotten. The passage begins with the plain and simple command of God, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. This is an essential element for peace and orderness in any society. It is clear that because of the violence and mob rule that is escalating daily, not only in our own nation but throughout the world, submission to authority has virtually vanished. Along with submission is giving respect or honor to those in authority. Our text refers to all authority and emphasizes kings and governors. I am appalled at professing Christians, regardless of their political views, that often malign, ridicule, and make fun of our leaders in government. The rulers in Paul's day were as wicked and vile as we have today. In fact, the current king in power, when Peter wrote this epistle, was very likely Nero, who was extremely harsh, wicked, and vile, and unjust king. 
though it appears that the first five years of his kingship was good. Yes, John the Baptist condemned Herod for his adultery with his brother's wife, and Jesus called Herod a fox. They were in a unique setting that qualified them to act as they did. However, we never find any New Testament minister speaking disrespectfully of civil authority in any way. Without question, ministers are to preach against sin and condemn any and all sins regardless of the person committing them. However, unless the civil authority is a member of the congregation, it is not to pass judgment on him. On the other hand, if the President of the United States, as well as any civil power, is a member of a congregation, that congregation should discipline him for any and all sins, especially the public sins generally associated with politicians whether it be lying, fornication, adultery, railing, drunkenness, or any such sin. See 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11-13. through 13. He does not deserve special treatment, but we do not find Christians in general or any congregation in particular in the New Testament showing disrespect for any office in civil government nor did they march, protest, or fight against government in any way. Why are Christians to live this way? For the Lord's sake and because we are servants of God. This aligned with Romans 13.5 where Paul said that the Christian is to obey for conscience sake. Though verses 18 and following were not listed in the Confessions, I believe they should be considered with the verse under consideration or the verses under consideration because of the context. The principle of submission was established in verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Therefore, in verses 18 through verse 20, Servants are addressed to obey their masters. They were further instructed to not only obey the good and gentle masters, but they were to submit to the forward or difficult or harsh masters. Verse 19 further says, quote, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience' sake toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. End of quote. The Greek word for thankworthy is the same word that is translated grace in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are ye saved. And the word acceptable in verse 20 is the same Greek word. In short, when we suffer from the authority over us as a Christian, that is, when we do good and suffer unjustly for it, whether as a servant or as a citizen under civil authority or in any situation in life, we are manifesting the grace of God in our lives. God, 
through the inspiration of Peter, stated in verse 20 that we are called to such, and Christ is our example in such suffering. In fact, our Lord told us that the life of a Christian is a life of suffering, and so do the epistles. See Mark chapter 10 and verse 30. Acts 14 verse 22. 2 Timothy 3.12 and 1 Peter 4 verses 12 through 16 and other related passages. As we previously noted in the days of Christ, there were unjust taxes, and yet he paid them to avoid offense toward the civil authority. Therefore, by paying unjust taxes today, it does not prevent us from worshiping the Lord. However, if we pay them with a spirit of malice and hatred, or any unchristlike attitude, we do not honor God. Equally, when unjust laws are forced upon us, we should seek every opportunity as a citizen of the country to change them within the lawful bounds of our government. But it is not the function of the house of God to seek to establish civil laws to advance the gospel of God. When we as a citizen seek to establish civil laws, we should not think we are being persecuted as a Christian when others oppose us. However, when we are assembling to worship the Lord in His house and the civil powers work to stop us, we must put the Lord first and consider it a blessing to be persecuted for His name's sake. See Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, and Acts 5, 41 through 42, and other related passages. Also, there are occasions when a congregation or congregations may unite together to appeal to the civil authorities when they are unjustly opposing religious laws on Christians, and we plan to say more about this in later studies. For now, we are simply laying the basic foundation and principle regarding the relationship of the Christian to that of civil government. So far, we find that though the Christian is to be submissive to the civil government, there are no indications that the civil government is to be involved in the affairs of the congregation of God. In fact, if there are issues within the membership of the assembly, God clearly said that it is to be settled within the congregation and to avoid the civil government. See 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1-8. through 8. The scriptures teach that it is better to be wrongfully, or to be wronged, literally be treated unjustly, or defrauded than to go to the civil authorities, which are often unbelievers and unjust people. If Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18, and 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 8 were practiced among professing Christians, it is likely that the divorce rate would not be so high among church members, or more would be be identified as an heathen and a publican. 1 Peter 2.15 plainly teaches that submission to civil government 
is the will of God. Furthermore, it is with such well-doing that the Christian stops the mouth of unbelievers. As a servant of God, we are to live so that the cause of Christ is not wickedly or unjustly spoken against, not only by the civil government, but by any authority. Compare 1 Timothy chapter 6 and Titus, excuse me, chapter 6 and verse 1 and Titus 2.5. There is no place for the professing Christian to be boisterous or a loud-mouthed individual. While we are to pray for those in authority over us in civil government, it is so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Timothy 2.2 2. Peter followed up in his epistle that when we are asked to give an account of our faith, that we are to answer with meekness and fear. 1 Peter 3.15 He further stated that when the opposition speaks evil of us as evildoers, they will be ashamed in their false accusations of our good lifestyle in Christ. Verse 16 In verse 17 he said, For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. In other words, when setting all of these verses in context with the Christian's relationship to that of civil government, our role is more that of living in submission to civil government than by a Christian lobby or political action group striving to enforce Christian principles on the government. The Lord willing, we plan to discuss this in more details in the future, but our time is up for today. May the Lord direct us with wisdom to live as Christians in every area of life. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.